everyone welcome to the desert tones podcast i'm joey and i'm joined by dylan this is jared and in this episode we're going to be talking about guitars um highlighting on a few of the instruments that we have why we have them uh, what's cool about guitars and the signal path some of the importance they have um and a couple of topics like that um so uh, one thing that we were talking about just before the podcast started that was really cool is, or that I think is cool, uh, is that the guitar is kind of like, to me, and I, I think most of us would agree too, it like, it's kind of like the most personal part of the chain as far as like the thing that you primarily interact with that yeah. Yeah. you're like physical with, you can like feel resonating against you. I mean, the amp can do that to a degree too, but um, it's just like a different connection with... Um, the guitar than any other piece of the chain right yeah i mean the thing about it is that it's so tactile like so you're you know everything that you do influences what that tool can do like the way you hold it against your body how you have your hands placed the the amount of pressure that you're putting um on the strings as you slide up and down the neck like Mm -hmm. it's like every every moment of playing the guitar if you're the number one best player in the world or you're or you're just starting out like it's incredibly visceral and i think that is one of the things that has like really set it apart from most other instruments is like you know you're holding it this is kind of weird but you're like holding it as close as you would like hold a lover because it's (laughs) and we are live (laughs) (laughs) because it's it's literally right up against your body and when it voices you feel it voice and i think that you know every every instrument um like every guitar has its own version of that like from hollow bodies to solo bodies to everything in between acoustics like the vibration that is coming out of out of that instrument is is also passing through you and i think that that makes it so much more real i i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i agree it's um it's like different than some other instruments that are a bit more i mean not linear but you know if you think about a piano and like there's certainly dynamics there in piano playing especially but like the the notes on a on a stringed instrument especially like the guitar like there's so much more inflection that i think you can have with that yeah um despite the range being i guess technically less than something like a grand piano would be um it's just not it's not just as as simple as just like it's just the fundamental note and that's it there's like so much more that's there yeah. Um, depending on how you play. Yeah, I mean, definitely all the all the pieces of your chain and your rig all matter and they all add up. Um, definitely given the old question, like, would you rather have a bad guitar and a good amp or a good guitar mm. and a bad amp? Yeah. I would I would definitely lean towards like having the good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I, yeah, even if I had like a, a sweet amp and the guitar wasn't right, like I, I couldn't like, comfortably really accomplish much out of it like i have it happen all the time where or in the past when i would try something new and it wasn't either set up well or it wasn't um something that i was like at least comfortable with yeah i have this really weird kind of thing happen where i have a sense of like my opinion as if it's like a real person in my hand. Like I have this weird sense of like my biases against an instrument as soon as I pick it up. Like, so there's always this weird thing with me about how the neck feels as soon as I have it laying in my hand. And I mean, I'm, I'm by no means like a virtuoso or something. Um, but if, if a guitar, if I grab it and I pick it up and I'm starting to play it and the neck feels like weirdly sticky to me, not like in like it's covered in Jolly Ranchers, but like just, it just has a, it feels like it wants to hold on to my hand. I right away gravitate away 
from that kind of a feeling instrument. And the same thing, and the same way, like with, you know, like how your hand rests against the body and, um, you know, how it feels to fret, how it feels to palm mute, how it feels to, you know, slide the volume and tone knob up and down in the middle of playing. Like those things seem like, you know, you can just kind of think around it or get over it. But like for, for me, they play a pretty major role in, in just my opinion of the instrument that I'm holding. Like, even if I can't play it fairly well, like it's not giving me, it's not giving it back to me the way that I want to give to it, which is like weirdly humanizing like an inanimate object almost. But I just can't help but kind of have that sense about it. I don't know if you guys experience that really at all, but like you hear all the time, like, like professional players, like turn their instruments into like, I guess like women and they name them them, after girls and that kind of thing. And I think that's a little strange, but like there's definitely a life there that I can't quite put my finger on, but I know it when I feel it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I used to be like that a bit more like a number of years ago. I had like very hard preferences and things that like, oh, this isn't this. And for that reason, I like it's already down a peg from what I think it could be. But now and, and in more recent years, I don't feel quite that same way. Like I still have my preferences, of course, but um, I think this is. It's come from a couple of different uh, hobbies that I've been in, whether it's like, you know, playing <laughs> playing video games or playing card games or whatever. Sometimes it's like, like an example is like, uh, I'll, I'll reference Destiny, right? So there's like, there's, um, oh, no. well, so, and it's funny because it's like, there's personality to what you can run in that game, uh, but there's like, there's always I, there's some of our friends that will be like, oh well, I don't run that because I don't like the feel of it, and and one of one of our friends is like very, <laughs> uh, like says that a lot about stuff. But there is there is a case, and it's different because because music and gear is much more subjective. But there, I think that some amount of uh, like music and gear, there are things that are objectively better, and they're like it's worth. Um, despite not having the sense of for the feel of the instrument in that moment, it's worth committing to learning what that instrument can do and, and learning to like work with it, um, to get like a better result in the long run. Right. So Mm -hmm. like example in the game is just like, okay, this doesn't feel good, but it's, it's objectively the best weapon to be using for this category. And so I just. Like I definitely have my preferences in that, but um, if it would like better our team or better the the you know the experience in the game, then I will learn to use it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 make it work. And I think again, some of that can transfer over into guitars. Like there's there's guitars that like across all the ones that I have, none of them are like there's a lot of huge differences between them, even in just like basic level things, whether that's satin neck or not or um tunematic bridge versus like a hardtail bridge that's like not multi-pieces or anything like that so um I, yeah i've gotten past that a bit more in recent years yeah that's a tr- well like dylan so i think you're kind of in an interesting place because you know you you probably play more than all of us do um even though i i've been playing quite a quite a bit more over the last few months you play several times publicly every week. And then I assume you practice a lot at home. Like, I guess I'm wondering, like, what do you think about that same idea? Like, do you feel like you have your preferences for the types of things that you like in an instrument and that's kind of where it stays? Or you do you feel like there's a give and a take there, I guess? I yeah, I think there is a give and a take. Um, I definitely, uh, in a similar to what Joey was saying, like 
definitely used to be a little bit more rigid and like, it's got to be like this. Mm. It's got to be these certain parameters or this spec or it's no good. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so, um, I think it's just a natural thing, like getting older and getting more open-minded about things and being like, I'm not really a Les Paul guy, but if someone hands me Les Paul, let's see what it can do and like sure. kind of adjust my expectations and feelings for it. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, there's definitely like the handful of things that I gravitate towards and that I know like, I can rely on and like I know that like the way that uh, a non-painted oiled neck is going to feel like even if I'm sweating it out somewhere sure, <laughs> or yeah. not like it's going to be all right whereas like try to do do that on like instruments that I don't use as much and it's like oh I have to adjust this a little bit but that doesn't necessarily mean that that one is like you know better than the other it's just preference um yeah like I brought um you know I Generally, I gig with Silver Skies, and um, I brought the, my Carvin, the six-string up, and was doing a gig with that, and it was like, this is not doing what the Silver Sky is doing. Like, it doesn't feel that way in my hand. Like, I don't feel like the bolt-on resonance shake in my hand and feel like the attack is right there, you know, but it's like, but then it has a nicer sustain, and it feels good to, like, hold notes out, and so it's just, mm. it's just it's different, but just try to be, like, Try I do try to be more open minded and like see what the thing does. You know, just now we were yeah. checking out your new telecaster and it's like it doesn't have the the body cut like the strat does and I'm like, oh this is kind of a little different here and need to adjust, but then I'm like, this is cool. It's a telly, it's doing the telly thing. Yeah. And that's definitely like an instance of something that I would never thought that I would want to purchase or or own. For some reason I had this like subconscious like prejudice, I guess against that model series in general and then after playing joey's baritone and doing some reading about it and you know playing some in stores i felt like this is a really interesting instrument and i don't think i've given it enough credit and then to speak to what we talked about last week uh does gear matter and like talking about like you know when's the time to 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 like mod an instrument or or like change it i felt like well this would be a really interesting time to do that to like play it stock for a week or two and then just literally change every part of it and so i i never had that experience before and i decided i wanted to do that and i've been really happy with it i i can honestly see that thing becoming my favorite guitar given enough time to like play it and get it dialed in but uh, you know there's there's just some things about all of the instruments that i own that i think that they give me something that i can't describe that i'm not getting from from like your guitar like if i pick up your silver sky like i know that that is a nice instrument and i can i can play it and like be really pleased with it and I'm happy you have it, but it doesn't have like this weird extra bit of like mojo to it that I think that the things that I own do. And I, I wonder if that's just like an artifact of ownership. Like it's just something that you feel toward the property you have, or if there really is something kind of there, there, it's probably a bit of both like a subconscious thing, but then also just like, you know, your taste. So you buy things to your taste. And so it suits your needs and, like, you know, all those boxes kind of get checked, but, um, I'll tell you, uh, one more story here before I completely cowboy this entire episode. So a good example of that is my Spectre base. Um, you know, I bought that. Well, actually that was purchased for me by my mother. Um, and when was that? 2012, 2011? Something yeah, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was put up on eBay, right, by the bass player of a long-forgotten prog metal band called Corellia. Yeah, Scamcore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Joey. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, it was the bass that 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 band used on their like debut EP, and I was, I I wanted it just by virtue of the fact that. It belonged to that guy, and it was the brand of bass that 
another bass player that I like, Dan Briggs plate. And so I, I got it and it replaced a Schecter Raiden five string, which is kind of like a very inexpensive introductory instrument, which was fine. It just like, it didn't have the same versatility and sound quality as the Spectre. But over the, over the years of me owning that, that Spectre bass, like I've received so many interesting comments and compliments from people that have done work on it that I don't really know how to describe because it's not an expensive instrument at all. Even back when it was brand new, it was less than a thousand dollars. And I think now you can pick up that exact model for under 600 bucks, but there's just something about the way the net, the net, there's just something about the way that the neck is set and the way it feels and plays that most people that have worked on it comment this is a unique version of this bass like uh it's super stable it holds the tuning really well um it just has a a unique sound to it that you know i I, that people don't expect to get out of a bass of its price point and caliber like and i don't really know how to define that quality other than it's something that I got a hold of and I've been holding on to it ever since. And it's kind of like magic in a way, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of getting the analogy of like our guitars are like Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's really cool to that you've kept that bass in particular. It's very unique and it's really cool to see you uh do some modifications, some upgrades to it very finally. And uh yeah, it's a really cool instrument and Definitely the mods that you've done on your new Telecaster. That's really cool that you were able to say you did that yourself. And um, that's really cool. I mean, I think just like modifying instruments is something that, you know, Joey brought onto at least my radar. Yeah, same. Seeing the potential in something and being able to take it higher or not. And um, definitely considering like sometimes we buy a guitar and we're like, this is what it is. And I'm happy with it like that. And there's other things like buying it as buying is like i'm gonna modify it change some things experiment might have some pickups in there for a while might change it to some other pickups and things like that down the road and i think that that's that's a pretty cool sentiment too but i i do believe that it's like equal parts like a thing in your head about like this is mine and i'm bonded to it and then also yeah 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 i like i always think back to there was this like series of videos that uh, Paul Reed Smith put out like 10 or so years ago uh, that was called the they were g- going over this like <laughs> this like collection of documentation that they had put together of that they called the rules of tone that was like yeah. that Paul Reed Smith and his dad had like um, gotten together because his dad was into like he was he was of course into like building instruments but he's also like pretty knowledgeable in physics and like all these other different uh, things. And like, they would go over, like they had like it categorized down to the, basically the goal was like, if you did, if there was an instrument that had these things, it would accomplish this. Like this was what you could expect to get out of it every time. And it was like the ideal, you know, appointments on each of the, or, you know, of the different parts of the instrument, whether there was like the nut, the fret wire, what the material for the bridge was and all this stuff. Um, so they boiled it down to a subtractive thing where basically it was like the instrument, the guitar is all the pieces on it. It's all about uh, taking away less from what you're ultimately getting out. Like the idea of like you put a, a low E string on 10 different instruments, you're going to get 10 different things despite the string being the same. Right. Um, and so why is that? And it was all the different, you know, specs of the guitar, um, rather than adding, but like taking away different things from the core, uh, fundamental that's being, that's being played through the string. And I always thought that was really cool. So, and that's, that's like a bit of how I kind of think about it. Um, whenever I like assess an instrument, especially of my own and like think about, what can be changed on it, um, how it's going to impact um, the overall sound. And then some amount of it is just like a personal thing. Like you said, like sometimes it's just you want to make it more your own 
Um, and there's, there's fun in doing that for me. Yeah. So I, I think another side of that is like how important like brand presence and like brand identity kind of plays into what we think about what we want in, in guitars and like, you know, what they're able to accomplish. I mean, they're, Tinder has a substantial amount of companies now under their umbrella, but like there's a lot of different brands making similar style guitars to everybody else. Like the super strat like body type is universal. Jackson makes uh like a strat and a telly variation. Everybody does like some rendition of these popular models. So, um, something that's always been interesting to me is how people will just kind of natively gravitate toward the brand name. And I think that's, that's true for, for most things for people, right? Like people buy Samsung phones because they, you know, they, they think Samsung makes good phones. People buy Apple iPhones because it's like a prestige thing. It's like a sign of, you know, Chevy trucks. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple phones, <laughs> Gibson guitars and Chevy trucks. <laughs> um, but I'm just wondering like, you know, how, how much does that really impact the, the quality of the instrument and how much of it is just like a mental thing, but does it, does that matter? I guess that I don't know. Yeah. I guess it all goes back to like, what the individual wants out of it wants out of the experience um i know at least for me like i've definitely experienced uh brand heavy brand bias like meeting other musicians playing out in the community and stuff and especially back home they're like well it says martin on the headstock (laughs) and uh, there's definitely i mean that Martin is a big name acoustic brand for a reason. Um, and same with Fender and Gibson and all that too. But, um, there's definitely lots of companies that have, you know, been there all along and also like a big in, in recent years that are making like very competitive products, um, very comparable. Um, and even at, you know, the same or better price point, um, so I, I know that for me, a, a big thing, like a, a talking point com- related to this brand stuff is is my my di- uh, discovery of Larave guitars, Yep. Um, which I like to think I turned turn the guys on to Absolutely. a few years ago. But it was a, a brand, I guess I was probably on some on the acoustic guitar forum and I was just uh, trying to figure out what kind of guitar I wanted to get. I was really wanting to get a solid acoustic guitar. Um, and the brand Larave came up and I stumbled onto the Larave forum and got a lot of really good info. And, you know, compared to my, where I was at in terms of price point, like, you know, of course, John Mayer plays the Martin. That's what I would like to have, but you know, I don't have $3,600. So I needed to find something that was in a similar vein, but was you know, a different brand and I after doing some more research on my own I came to the conclusion that I could get a more affordable Martin or I could get um, a different brand that was doing maybe a similar thing and um, I kind of came to my own conclusion there that um, maybe my money would go farther with a different brand and I took a chance on on a Larave, a, an OM sized and you know it's been my been my number one ever since so I think um there's definitely good to be open-minded about things and not judge things solely off of what the headstock says. Like it, it can certainly be like a guide initially, but I mean, every guitar is different and you just really have to get in there and try things and find what works for you. But, um, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. I single-handedly think that that, so at, there was a certain point where Dylan had two of the same model of Larave and somehow I, conned him into selling me one of them and uh it's hard to describe how pleased i've been with that instrument i mean it's just it's great i I love playing it i i love this is kind of this is kind of weird i i love oiling it (laughs) because i love the way that the body wood looks after it's been oiled and uh i love cleaning the fretboard on it and just 
seeing the wood grain and like seeing the interesting like intricacies of it um it sounds it sounds great it's incredibly stable uh and i'm sure you do too but i people that see it compliment it all the time they you know they've never heard of the brand but they're like yeah this thing is really great i can't believe it i'm like yeah it rips i mean this is an excellent instrument yeah um, and the same is true for that uh, Charvel bass that you've gotten recently, which I think is really cool. Um, that's like, you know, a similar vein as a Fender, but their own unique take on it. And for, you know, the price point and this, the features, like, I think that was like a fantastic option. Yeah, this is turning into my my show here, but um, that Charvel bass was, was a really interesting choice mostly because uh i also own an ibanez az hss model and i really love uh, the satin neck on it and the charvel base who uh charvel is owned by fender but they basically made um a pj base with a slimmer neck profile and it feels a lot like that that ibanez az uh AZ2204N is the model number of that in Persian blue. And, uh, I mean, that and just the style of the bass, like, really drew me in. And, man, I love it. I think that's one of the funnest, the funnest bass I've, I've probably ever played. It just, it, it, it plays like butter. And it has the accoutrement of something that I think would be a few hundred dollars more if it said fender on it yeah absolutely maybe even a thousand dollars more it depends yeah. you know it's made in mexico but it doesn't matter it plays excellent uh me personally i i if the guitars never didn't have a, anything on the headstock at all i'd be fine with that <laughs> if there was no forward facing anything telling you what it was like that's fine with me i don't i definitely like will not I I will definitely go into a music store and not try certain things because I don't like the look of them. But sure, um, it's not often because of the brand. It's um, a lot of times like if I default to liking the, with the example being this Fender Esquire variant, it's because the the third variant or the other variant is like different enough in ways that are not appealing to me like even if it's just visually like you know sometimes like sometimes the headstock shape is just too different for me to really like like the look of sure um some of them are just really out there and crazy and i just uh wouldn't wouldn't be interested in really like playing them uh i don't know they i've definitely played some that are like are not uh, ones that I would have normally tried and like been surprised, but um, I think beyond the brand thing, it's like a, it's definitely a visual thing, like it's connecting with it uh, visually, like in the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes like the brand thing is just is literally just that I like looking at it and seeing that it says Fender on it, or I like seeing that it says Gibson on it. Or like a good example is like the Epiphone versions of all the Gibson uh, main brand models are have a head shape that's like totally different. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I'm not me and a lot of other people think the Gibson one is like way better, but I like, I would always prefer to have the Gibson one for just that reason, because I think it looks, I think it looks nicer, like sure. sharper. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've played really, really great Epiphones and there's, there's nothing wrong with that too. And there's some, like, there's some amount of like, sometimes it's not even just the alternative. Like there are some models. I I, th- I don't know for certain, I can't remember, but I think the casino is like an Epiphone mm-hmm. like specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't look at the casino and think if this were Gibson instead, I would prefer that. Yeah. I just like look at it and I think like, that's cool. Like, yeah. That's, that's sweet. And especially since like that specific was like its own thing before Gibson bought Epiphone. So yeah. it was already cemented in its own thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, see the brand thing definitely uh, plays into it but um, yeah it just depends like if it if if it looked like a Fender didn't say Fender on it and was not a Fender if I liked it then that's that's all that I would really need 
Yeah. I'm not really that worried about where the guitar is made either. Like, I mean, I guess if you told me that it was made by Taiwanese children in a basement, I might change my mind about how interested I would be in buying it. But like, there's some people that are like, well, if it's not made in the United States, then, then it's junk. And in my experience, that's almost never been true. I mean, I think, you know, you can definitely get nicer appointments on guitars that are made in the, in the U.S., but you're also paying a pretty big premium for that. I don't know if the instrument itself sees a dramatic benefit of being American-made. Like, I don't know that I own any instrument that's made in America, actually, and I'm very happy with all of them. I've got two made in two made in Mexico or three made in Mexico. Uh, the Ibanez is made in Japan. Where was the RG? Uh, the uh, yeah, I'm that, guessing Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that that ever really ha- has mattered to me, but I know people that will only buy American instruments. I don't. I think there's something to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Um, I mean, maybe not so much like the caliber of the instrument is better. I don't know that because it's, it's ultimately just like a quality control thing depending on, on the factory or establishment that's putting them together. But I've definitely had like, like moments where I've played something. Like if I'm thinking about like all the Japanese fenders that I've played, I think, I mean, I, I haven't, I, it's hard to know because I don't go and like keep tally of like all the American ones I've played, all the Japanese ones I've played, all the Mexican ones I've played. But uh, I've gotten a lot of really great. I've owned a couple of really great Japanese made Fender uh, guitars, and they were really really awesome. And then I've had some Mexican ones too, and they were they were cool. But they uh, like it, all things equal. It's hard to know because a lot of the times, you, like especially if we're still talking about Fender, like you see a lot of the Mexican Mexican models being more affordable. Sure. Right. So like yeah. if the equal, if an equal amount of money went into each instrument and like all the components were, or all the components were the same between the two, one factory made it, the other one, uh, or like they both just put the, put them together and you compared them like side by side. Like, I don't really know, but I mean, there are certainly like, I guess like there are assumptions that you could make about, where things are compromised yeah yeah uh whenever you say like made in mexico or made in japan but like uh, yeah i mean i've it it depends on what you're like do those compromises matter to you sure you know like because i've played we've said we've we've played like great examples of all of them and you can still put maybe have to put more work into some to get them like closer to the other ones but that's also we've already discussed like that's fun too yeah i think that's that's still cool um you probably know a bit more about the like japanese like fender thing and like how well viewed i mean i know you've talked to me about it a bit yeah the um the general consensus on yeah the general consensus at least that specifically is like that the japanese fenders are like really cool and really good value and um i think there was a time early on when they first transitioned to making them over in Japan that they were like, okay, we gotta, we gotta slow this down. These are better than the American ones. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. Um, but I mean, there was there, uh, Hubbard's music here in town had a couple of Japanese Fender Telecasters and there was that shoreline gold one that I really thought was really cool. And so, Mm. um, but, uh, and then, you know, myself, like I have, uh, like the core, the USA made Silver Sky and the Indonesian made one. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you can definitely tell some differences there. Um, and, you know, I think they've done a really good job of, of you know, making that guitar in a different price point. I do sometimes like have to catch my personal bias about holding it and having the thought, well, this isn't the real thing. This isn't the real one, you know, or yeah. feeling like kind of like let down or whatever. And I mean, this is, absolutely like a great time to be playing guitar and like getting your first guitar and stuff because like a beginner guitar now is so much better than than it was when we were starting out even not that long ago in the grand scheme so i think that definitely in recent years like most manufacturers have really been able to step it up and make it to what you're going to get a quality instrument 
at any price point, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I guess there's just kind of certain situations when I'm a little bit more open about like, this is a cool guitar. I don't really care where it's made. And yeah. there's other things like, you know, that like the Larivés, at least at a time they were made in Canada. And yeah. so that's a unique thing. And I think that that's cool um, sure. to have like a one before they moved to America and started making them here in California. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's really, that's really interesting now. Like, people latch on to stuff like that like i remember one of my buddies uh when i first met him uh he he was asking me about my schecter because uh-huh. i told him i had that and, he, and i told him when i got it because i'd got it back in like 2006 or 7 i think um but it was like a i'm pretty sure it's made in korea but even in the realm of like Schecter things like he spoke to oh it's one of like the made in korean ones or korea ones uh like that's really cool like those, i've heard those are really awesome like and i had never heard anyone say like i wasn't really plugged in to know that about Schecter, but there's just like like there's an example of that for almost any one of those things you could say where like there is some sort of like cult following for things like the japanese fenders or the korean made Schecters or you know what have you north uh, or south truly really, it doesn't. I don't remember it saying actually. I think it just says made in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check. Uh, and I do like I've noticed, um, like with brands like Schecter and PRS, like <laughs> a really big like, you know, they're taking a look at models that they've had that have been like you know in the main USA made core line factories for a long time, and they're really saying how can we make a, an affordable version of this, and yeah. like really going going deep on trying to make it as good as they can, and like deciding what to change things and their strategy on why they're doing that, and I think that that's really interesting. I like watching those going down that YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. I also wonder like in the American made instances like of, of the silver sky, like I wonder how much of, of the price of that instrument actually just comes from, from like just, you have more, the time that people are spending looking it over is worth more in the United States than it is in like in Tunisia. And yeah. Like yeah. how much that factors into the actual price of the instrument. Like there, I mean, certainly it depends on, on the caliber of instrument that you're getting and the price point. But like, they can make just as good anything in almost anywhere on earth. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not that like the people that are making uh guitars in in Tunisia or or Mexico are like, you know, forty years behind the curve of yeah. guitar making technology. Yeah. It's just a matter of like how much they're being actually paid to sit there and do it and the quality that's expected of them so that there is actually a like a value proposition between like the mem player series fender and the american standard you know series like like tender needs to set a clear line between the models so that people will feel obligated or like feel like they have a value and like a, a reason to pay up for it which I mean, I get that. Like, that's like how the like how buying and selling works is mm-hmm. like you have these price blocks. You know, you want to have clear product vision. Um, something else that's come up over the last few years that I think has really become more and more popular, especially since we started playing. Um, you know, over ten years ago is the the avail the availability of like semi custom and fully custom instruments yeah uh and that i mean that's not something that well carvin's been around for a, a very very long time mm-hmm. but um you know there was like that that custom boom in like 2010 2011 where like everybody had a guitar making company and like 90% of them didn't make it more than a year and couldn't fulfill all their orders. But like that kind of uh, make it your own marketplace has continued to kind of thrive. And um, I'm just, 
I've never done it, obviously, but Dylan and Joey, both of you have done it. I'm just wondering like what you feel about that change and like what value do you see that adding to to the guitar, like having those kinds of options? Hmm. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was at least, you know, 10 years ago, that was like pretty specific to like the progressive metal forums that we were frequently visiting, that that seemed like very popular. A lot of the bands that we were following were having custom instruments made and, and there was a lot of hype surrounding those. And it was like, how can we get our hands on that stuff and how can we get into that? Um, and Carvin is like, you know, one, one of the bigger names along They've been been around doing it for a really long time, and that's like their whole model is is you know customizing the instrument and ordering it to your own spec, which is really cool. Um, and I think it you know just calls for a different uh, a different like approach to you know uh, of instrument ownership and and interest because you don't have the immediate gratification of like trying something in the store and bringing it home with you like you have to kind of do your research and find something you know figure out specs that work for you but you know i think it's very rewarding too when you get you know i've gotten a couple of them joey's had a couple of them as well and i think it's really cool um i think yeah yeah i i think i mean for me i feel like I likely mentioned it in like either the first or second episode, but like I've pretty much always, or like since I started playing guitar, like always like written out, like if I didn't come to decide like exactly what I wanted before buying it, I would like list out all the different models that I thought were cool at that time. Like I remember looking at, I remember with like my friends, Joel and Esteban and Rolando and the, the bands we were in before in high school, like, I would look at, we would get on Musician's Friend or I'm pretty sure it was Musician's Friend, like the website, and we would go in and look at all the guitars and we're looking at all the Ibanez guitars and all the Schechter guitars and I would just kind of like look at all of them and and know which ones I liked the most. And then that progressed years later into like me thinking like, I really wish it had this, whether that was like these pickups or this hardware color, like really basic things. Um, and so like whenever I came to know the brand Carvin and now Kiesel, like it was the first chance to like be able to like be the kid in the candy store and like have access to pretty much anything within sure. the realm of what they offered, of course. So it was really, I mean, again, for me and the way that I am, like that was like a dream to be able to spec the whole thing out, like um, in such detail. And then, uh, I guess the other thing about it too is that, I mean, I learned, I've spoken about this with you guys a lot, but I learned a lot from like the, the two instruments that I, I spec through Carvin that I no longer have that um, I learned a lot about like what my preferences are and what I, I guess I thought they were. And then um, have just like, you know, come to realize what I guess they sort of actually are, like what I like in the instruments that I already had maybe, or like things that I wouldn't like, if I had the opportunity to go back and do again, I wouldn't do that same way. Um, so that's interesting, um, too. Like there's like this cool is, it's definitely cool to have like an idea of what all the, all the perfect things that I would ideally want all together realized. And then, um, like get the opportunity to spend a lot of time with that and, and see like whether or not that you really thought, yeah. I felt a certain way about it. And like not each, any one of those was really like down to the T exactly what my preferences were. Cause some of them were really an experiment, but um, it was, it was really cool. Like the idea, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a con and not depending on who you are and whether that matters, but like uh, semi custom stuff definitely has like a lower resale value. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like that's, there is a, a pro to the like set model and specification realm of uh, guitar offerings in that way because you can readily find them and like you said, Dylan, like you can you can have that experience of going and trying it and like there there have been examples of guitars that I've owned where ha- like I tried them in the store and was like this is super sick and like I really really like this and I, I would not have like spec'd it out that way. 
Yeah. Um, but like you just get a vibe from it. Like, sure. I feel from it, but yeah. Um, yeah, the semi, I mean, I'm, I think the semi custom guitar or custom guitar thing is, is super cool. I still look at the Kiesel builders every now and then just cause it's fun to do. Yeah. I haven't played with it in quite a while, but I was pretty obsessed with a lot of their base models for, for quite some time. And, you know, they're pretty aggressive in their advertising and, and, and that's a bit of a turnoff. Hey, but. five, eight, my guys. <laughs> Yeah, get my guys on the line. Um, but uh, you know, they I think they I think they basically cornered that market more so than anybody else can. Yeah. And they continue to expand and expand and expand their offerings. Um maybe at some point down the road I can see myself doing that with a guitar and a bass. I would be really interested to see what I picked because I feel like it, it, it would be kind of a roll of the dice right now. But, um, but uh, you know, that is definitely a case of you can make that thing look however you want. And I think that's, that, that's a big part of it is like it can be the color with the top and everything else that you would never see a production model of because you know, Ibanez wouldn't sell five of those. Um, but Kiesel will make you the one and you know that, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing that you wanted. Like our friend, uh, Jameson, his Holdsworth is that incredibly like unique tricolor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. And I doubt I ever will again, yeah. but it's so him. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you asked, a famous artist to draw this man as a guitar, it would look something kind of like, it would look something kind of like that. Like just, you know, um, so I, I think that's really kind of exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I flirted with doing that many times over the years. Maybe at some point I actually will do it, but, uh, I don't know when or if I'll, I'll ever be there. Um, well, part of the thing with it for me too, is that like some of it's out of frustration in that, like there are some things that I know that if realized would be super, super cool. And I think all of us have experienced this in some way, but like it definitely sucks that you're, you are at the mercy of like whatever the current offering is and yeah. what, mm. what that is. Right. Like, my favorite color is yellow, and if I could get, if there's like, if like there was a yellow variant of any guitar I've ever had an interest in, I probably would own way more guitars than I do. But you know, some of them I haven't because it, they didn't have that variant. Like the, the you know the the fenders of that year, they were red, blue, and white, and green, or the sunburst, or you know they never had one that was like quite like that. So whenever I see those models or like i or whenever i find those models that do have that finish for example or, or whether it's the finish the color or any other like appointment on them stock i like kind of take note of that and like kind of remember that for the future to like okay this one had this feature in this sure. way and like that's that's some of the appeal with the custom things that like within again the realm of what they offer you get that opportunity to like not ha or like you don't have to make that sacrifice anymore it's like well I guess of between red or blue, I technically prefer the red one, even though my real preferences are not that. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely like a, a big appeal or like multiple reasons to want to like go the custom route, and I can I can certainly respect that. Yeah, I mean, and speaking to an earlier point, like you know, our tastes have changed as we've gotten older and gotten into different kinds of music or experimented more and stuff. And like, I still own my two Carvins, and you know, maybe there was slight things that you know I would, if I were getting them today, I might have changed about them or done a little bit differently. But like, it's still like so much my guitar, and it was like yeah. the closest thing I'll ever have to having a signature guitar. And like, it was so cool to have them and to have the matching set. Yeah, and. Maybe those aren't the guitars I play the much, play so much these days. But like, I don't think I could ever bring myself to get rid of them because I think they're just really they're, yeah. they're, they're just mine. You know? Yeah. And I've really, for the you know the era that I was 
really using them a lot back when we were doing Earth Brothers. Like that, those were my number ones. You know. Yeah. It's a really cool experience to have something that's really made for you. Yeah, I definitely think maybe it's just because I've seen you with them for so long and associate those with you. But like, when I see those guitars, I think you immediately. Like that, that, that's Dylan in a super strat form. Like, <laughs> it's just the color. It's you know, it's everything about it, which I think is is cool that it has that that kind of identity. Um, so we kind of thought that it would be an interesting way to. I guess bookend this episode by talking about like uh, some of the instruments that we own more so than we already have, but also like why own more than one guitar? What is the utility in that? And like what the instruments that we have chosen for our like top five or however many, like why we chose those and kind of the things that they offer to us. Uh, I'll just go through my list really quick and then we can talk more about it after everybody else is gone. Um, so n- number one for guitar is probably my Ibanez AZ2204N. Uh, it's an HSS model. Um, I really, really, really love that guitar. It's, it's really special to me. Um, Next is an Ibanez RG770, which was actually, uh, it was uh, a transaction that Dylan and I made um, that more than anything, a guitar has um, sentimental value. It was owned by a player in one of our favorite bands. It's been stolen. We've got it back. There's kind of a long history there. And so it's just, it's very special to me. Uh, And then my Larave OM, uh, O3R, which is what Dylan and I had talked about briefly or earlier. And then my Spectre bass, uh, um, a Legend 5. And then my Charvel uh, San Imus Pro Mod PJ uh, bass in blue. Uh, and the Spectre is like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a wine. I guess it's kind of like a wine wine red with a quilt top. It's kind of interesting. It's it's pretty dark. Black cherry is actually the finish. Yeah, color. I think I was gonna say I think it's black cherry. I know that they originally had gold hardware on them, mm. but it, uh, it the sure guy who owned it before swapped all of it out for black. So it's kind of unique in that way too. Like, there's probably not another one that looks just like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but those are my top five. Um, yeah so um oh, wait that was like six no 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 it was five i can count you well you didn't do your honorable mentions are you gonna do that now or after? uh yeah sure i can so uh <laughs> i probably won't do mine just okay uh and then just for the sake of throwing their names out there uh honorable mention is that uh inner players series telly that i talked about earlier in uh butterscotch blonde that i've I've made some changes to it recently, and then my Ibanez fifteen twenty seven, which was the first seven string I ever owned. I got that in two thousand seventeen, right, Joey? Uh, sounds right. Or it may have been eighteen. No, yeah. you got the Carvin in eighteen. Uh, and I got that in seventeen. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, those are mine. Very nice. Uh, so on my list, uh, started things off. Big no surprise here, PRS Silver Sky. That's kind of been my number one for recording and performing um, for the last, I got it in 2018 and and been really pleased with it. Um, Similar to Jared, I also have a Larivee Omo 3R. That's, you know, another one of my number ones when it comes to acoustics. I really love the way that it records and especially the way that it performs live uh, with the uh, LR Bags Anthem pickup that I have in there. I've had um, some a couple of Music Man guitars over the years, uh, namely uh, a John Petrucci JP6 model. Uh, it's like graphite, graphite gray. Yeah, something like something that. Some like sort that. of grit. Yeah, so it's one of like the earlier iterations of that line of guitars, and it's just so comfortable. I think it's just such a cool looking design. Yeah, and yeah, it, those are sweet guitars, and they're just it's set up really well, and like you know I. 
when I first bought it, I was doing, you know, recording metal based music and on it and it did that really well. And then I have put it in standard and it does that. It does, you know, pop and rock and it does everything. It's a really cool guitar for sure. Yeah. Um, another one is my Ibanez RG 1077 XL. It's a baritone scale seven string. Um, that's definitely been my number one seven string, um, especially for recording, um, that longer scale length really lends itself to being to coming through clear on the low string and is definitely, um, just a really cool looking guitar and definitely very special to me. Um, and then just a couple of honorable mentions for me as well. Uh, my, you know, my carbon, uh, DC 700, that was like, you know, my number one seven string for several years. And I really enjoy, uh, pulling that off the rack from time to time still and, and using it like, you know, in videos and stuff. That was really cool. Uh, and then, uh, another honorable mention for me is my Martin. Um, this is a D41 special. It's a dreadnought guitar and which is, it's got, you know, a lot of flash on it. Um, and it was normally maybe not something that I would have gotten, but, um, it was a fellow musician, uh, from Carlsbad and, um, she let me borrow it for a couple of performances and I just fell in love with it and, you know, we had a deal on it. And so I'm really pleased with that one as well. So yeah, that's my list. Uh, I'm going to lead with my honorable mentions. Um, both of which I no longer own. Uh, one of them was uh, so it was a Fender Pawn Shop uh, Series Fifty One. It's what they called it. It was sort of a a blend of some features of a Strat, a Telecaster, and then a Fifty One P bass. Uh, it was also butterscotch blonde, and um, that was one that I had found locally um, here in Crucis. That um, it was an example of where played it in store. And was just like really blown away by it. Like really, really liked it. Um, then the next one uh, was a Fender Jaguar Baritone Custom. Uh, that one I bought solely because I'd always watched Tepe Teranishi of Thrice play that guitar. And um, I wanted to try a baritone and like have spend some time on it and found found one used somewhere it may have been like ad hunter at the time or some sort of craigslist offering um somewhere and that guitar was super super sick it was like a 28 and a half inch scale so a bit longer than normal baritones but like shorter by you know maybe the baritones of like 10 to 15 years ago were um but yeah those guitars were awesome really missed the baritone the pawn shop one i kind of missed too um and then as far as the favorite ones that i have now um there's the the squire uh, classic vibe baritone custom telecaster which largely because i missed having a baritone um around the house i bought that and that one's like a great it's great because i've always loved telecasters um and it was one of the first offerings in in that i can remember where they had that and or had a, a telecaster that was like very true to like the normal telecaster appointments including the ashtray bridge the the same pickup configuration um no real fluff like very traditional telecaster um and then was still like shorter scale which is something i had a bit of an issue with um with some other guitars large mainly the seven strings when they get too long they can be a bit uh tough for me to to work on and, and play with um after that I, I do still have a seven string i have an ibanez j custom jcrg7 uh in vintage violin that uh, I want to say I got 2017 or 16 or maybe 18 too. I don't really remember, but um, that one I bought so like largely because my buddy uh, Jim Bailey um, had one and I always loved the way his looked and I was like made it my mission to find one that I could get. And then I found one and had him work on it and set it up and put all these different uh, upgrades on it. And that's like, probably my favorite seven string uh it's the only one i own but of the seven strings i've owned and have gotten to play it's definitely one of my favorites and then the last one my favorite guitar the guitar i've like had like like dreamed of owning for years and years and years uh was a carvin uh, hf2 fat boy which is an allen holtzworth signature model 
or at least one of them. There's been a couple since, but it's a um, hollow body guitar, uh, 25 and a half inch scale, tunematic bridge. And that guitar, um, I mean, I, I first knew about that guitar because uh, Misha Mansour from Periphery posted about it on sevenstring.org back in the day. And yeah. I always thought it was cool then because the clips that he made with it sounded really cool. And then there was a, a video series with Guitar Messenger on YouTube where Mark Holcomb had borrowed that guitar from Misha and, and did the entire series with that guitar. And yep. Mark's, Mark's playing at that time, especially was like super influential to me. And I literally watched those videos every day for years and years and years. And like, yep. I just like drilled those riffs and, and that guitar playing and like seeing that guitar and the way it sounded in that, in those videos, uh, like into my head and always had dreamed of like, of getting that. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk forever about it, but like, I just wanted like everyone in this room knows that like I wanted that guitar for so, so long. Yeah. And part of the reason I even got those customs that I had uh, made by carbon after that was because I wanted something, something, close to something that. similar to that. Yeah. And I wanted to try to make, see what I could do about making it my own. But like, I, was incredibly fortunate enough to finally get the opportunity to own that exact instrument um, from Misha Mansour. And I had that since 2018. It's been my number one ever since. So, Yeah, I I actually could hear you talk about that guitar all day long. <laughs> I, I really think that's such a cool story. Uh, I think it speaks a lot to your tenacity and also knowing what you like and going yeah. out and getting it. And I think that's that's so cool. I'm really, really happy that that is sitting in the home of somebody that loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Even more probably than he ever did. <laughs> maybe Honestly, if he let it go. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about that RG770 is like, you know, on the neck is a little bit weird. It has that, that like, like dent and dent bulge thing on it where the truss rods kind of coming through or something yeah. uh, on the pack of it. But I don't really care because that guitar just has meant so much to all of us for so long. Man. It's, it's really, and it still sounds good. Like it still sounds and it still plays pretty good. So it's not like it's damaged or something. It's just, yeah. um, uh, it's just special in a way that's hard to put your finger on. Yeah, and the same with your Spectre. Like, how cool is it that we've been able to like own some of these pieces from bands that we've you know been a part of our, exactly. our musical journey and yeah. stuff? And so I think that that is like very special. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. Um, J- Joey's stuff is always set up so well. You know, yeah. I really love going over his house and playing through his rig. And yeah, the, the Carvin is definitely pretty magical, and, and I really like the seven string as well. He's always has some very nice picks and um yeah that seven's a trip man yeah so pretty and um yeah i've really enjoyed like the i'm after we're done with this i'm gonna plug in jared specter and hear the new pickups in and i'm really excited to hear that i think that's that's a really cool instrument it's you know in some ways it's like your signature instrument too like it's become <laughs> yeah. become that over the years because that's yeah. what you've played for so long mm-hmm. and now you've you know, been able to carry on the story of that instrument into, you know, a new thing. And I think that's really special. Um, I remember, I'm sure there's several people that on sevenstring.org that their tagline in the bottom of their, you know, every time they post something, it's got, they they list out everything they have or their links linked to my band or whatever. And there's, there's probably several on there and it's like, and the thing is just by used prestige. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. like yeah, that's know, totally general weird. advice in those in that sphere. Looking for something, yeah, yeah. use prestige. Yeah, and so that was really cool uh, for you to get the fifteen twenty seven. I think that's a really sick guitar. Yeah, um, that was it, Joey's advice, by the way. Very nice. Uh, it's sick. Yeah, uh, similar to my ownership of the ten seventy seven. Like those early early two thousand late nineties, like Ibanez and things like that. It, it it brings me back to, um, you know, 
to the bands that I was heavily influenced in at the time and like knowing that they were getting started out on those instruments as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is really inspiring and is cool. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I know it's not like anywhere on your top list, but I think that eight string that you got in the last like six months is super cool too. Um, yeah. it's just an interesting thing to have acquired. I think it's a cool thing to like have in the, like have in your tool bag. Yeah. For- I still don't know what to do with it yet, but that was always the eight string I wanted if yeah. I ever got one. Yeah. yeah. That's the- that. Those are the one that John Brown and monuments used, uh, Paul Ortiz, chimps banner, a lot of early periphery stuff had a two, 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 eight variant on that at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Like, that, I was that's always the name of it. very, yeah highly sought that one out and uh, uh came up in the white finish on reverb like last october and i was like that's the one i gotta have so i went for it and I, it's a really cool one to have again just by use prestige yep yep i think it's safe to say that we could talk about this probably f- for the rest of our lives but uh no one has that kind of time <laughs> <laughs> So we want to thank everybody for listening again to the Desert Tones podcast. This has been our third episode. I think we've done a pretty okay job so far at keeping it up at once a month. Uh, but until then, we look forward to seeing you in April. I'm Jared. I'm Joey. I'm Dylan. Take thank, care. Thank you, everyone. Take care, guys.